Hello, and welcome to our first season four episode of ATN Betches. I'm Sammy. And I'm Aileen. And you are listening to our weekly succession recap. Uh, if it is to be said, so it be. So it is. Are you all right? If you are a normal App Betches listener and you're like, what is this special episode in our feed? This is where we'll be doing weekly succession recaps for the rest of season four, which I believe will be 10 weeks. So you can find us here. And if you haven't watched Succession yet, we highly recommend it. Highly recommend. Sammy, I am so excited to be here. Are you? I mean, there are no words. Yesterday, I finally felt that I understood what sports, what people look forward to in like a sports game. I'm like, my whole day Sp- was sort of just game. thinking about a sports sports ball. My whole day was just revolving around, you know, this being on. And honestly, I was very satisfied with what we got. I think it was a great premiere. It kicked off just in a very seamless, exciting way. You completely understand where we're standing in terms of the world of the family, the family Roy. Mm-hmm. So what did what was your like overall impression? My impression was just like you said, it was like a great jump off, like a great setup. They're setting us up for how this season may go. It's kids versus Logan. And there's a lot of things that have to happen for them. And they are conflicting, like for Logan and for the kids. And then their interpersonal dynamics and relationships like Tom and Shiv. And it's all just so exciting. (laughs) All right. Before we get into our first segment, our shareholder earnings report, I do want to shout out that we, Aileen and I, if you've been following Betches for a while, we used to recap shows like personally. We used to score Real Housewives episodes and rank the Real Housewives by Betchiness. So we are returning to that format for Succession on the website on Betches.com. And we are doing a new type of scale, especially for the for the Roy family. And every week we are going to be determining who deserves to fuck off this week. We're ranking them. We're, we have like a whole mathematical formula going on. So after you listen to this episode or before, check out the recap on Betches.com. These will be every week. And yeah, you can get the recap in whatever form you like. You can get it in your ears. You can get it with your eyes. You can get it in your inbox. I don't know if I With your know. eyes. <laughs> well, anyway. We have something for all the senses. <laughs> we here for you literally. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, I'm, the recap's going to be great. I'm also just excited to have like that back on our website. Like, first of all, we started The Bachelor making fun of franchise. We started those recaps. Then we went to Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> and we then, had revenge first. Well, we had revenge, right. That was so fun. <laughs> I know. I miss when TV was an event. I love recapping, but not – I didn't really like recapping The Bachelor, but I do love recapping shows – That I love. So Succession, White Lotus, Real Housewives, you got me. I'm also going on Mention It All today, and we're doing a Real Housewives fantasy draft. So I'm really excited. That episode will be out, I think, like in a few weeks. Anyway, Aileen, should we Mm -hmm. get into our shareholder earnings report? I think we shall. Sammy, what do you you rank this episode? How many way stars? I'm giving this episode four way stars. Four. Because I thought it was really good. I thought it was a great premiere, but it was not, you know, it wasn't five stars to me. Um, yeah. We need room for, we need room for something that's a little bit of a step up from this. And that's okay. You know, for a premiere to be five stars, you yeah. are setting a really high bar. In fact, I agree with you. And as Kendall said, except the opposite, I'm going to nickel and dime them. And I'm going to give them <laughs> three five because it was good. Like, there was juicy, funny – I keep saying juicy. It was just such great banter and like one scene that really tore me up, which we can get to. But overall, I think there wasn't a lot of action. And yeah. my favorite character of this episode wasn't one of the main characters. So it just – I feel like it was – a three five, even though I fully enjoyed it. You know, it's a good middle ground and there's a lot of upside here. <laughs> I hear you. See, I'm like, you know, I'm much more likely to round up. You know, you it's very round divisible. Up. Four is more wanna, divisible. So you don't want to dime them. 
I don't want to insult them, you know. Let's talk about everything that happened in this episode. I feel like there wasn't a lot of – there weren't a lot of scenes. There weren't a lot of big moments. Generally, it was Logan's birthday party, sad birthday party in his penthouse or whatever his apartment is called. Simultaneously happening is the – are the siblings in their – are they in Malibu? You said they were in Malibu? I think they're in Malibu. It looked like somewhere California. It's California. It's Southern California. Yeah. And they are in this beautiful home. Like I was just dying when I was just – their kitchen open to that elf indoor-outdoor dining. I just loved it. So Do you want to guess how much it was? Architectural Digest did a feature. Oh, really? How much? Yeah. $21 million. Yes. Oh, way more. $48 million. Way more. $72 million? 83 Shut the fuck up. Yeah. How did they do that? I mean, the price could be in half in a, a, a yeah. you know, that's like, it's kind of fake. But yeah. yeah, there's an architectural digest. But there's not really any photos, which kind of bothers me. It's like, why do I want to read this verbal description of this house, yeah. you know, and see you. one shot, still shot from the show. Anyway, back to the show. So the, the two things are happening. Logan is having his birthday party and the children – well, minus Connor. Connor's at the birthday party. The children are together and they are s- about to pitch <laughs> their new <laughs> media venture called The Hundred to these foreign investors who've fl- taken a long flight to come meet them. And those two things are happening at the same time. In the middle of that, we find out that actually they're also, Logan is in the middle of not only about to sell Go to Gojo in 48 hours. But he's also trying to acquire Pierce. Twist of events. Like, I did not expect this to be happening. So Tom calls and warns Shiv about it, not because of anything. I thought it was kind of interesting that he called Shiv, knowing how sensitive that information was. I, I have a lot. I have a whole interpretation on okay. that scene, but we'll I'll get just into go that through after. the I'll go through like the major plot points, and then we'll go and discuss it all. Tom sort of warns Shiv because he doesn't want, like, the pictures to think, like, he's dating her because he told Marilinda <laughs> that, that it was not it was on, not on business. And so Shiv sniffs out, or the kids sniff out that actually this isn't a date and maybe Pierce is going to be acquired. I thought it was really interesting and felt pretty realistic the way that they figured out that this – interaction between Tom and Naomi was not necessarily a date because at the same time as the three kids are in their house in Malibu, uh, Logan's having his birthday party and Greg's date, Instagram, posted one of the Pierce kids at Logan's party. So so Kendall has a team member who sends him this Instagram (laughs) sighting and they're able to figure out that this is a business thing and an acquisition of Pierce is actually in play. So then the kids are like, wait, fuck this venture that we wanted to do, which also the whole conversation around this was hilarious. We'll talk about. They decide, actually, let's pivot. We're going to buy Pierce and like really stick it to dad. But also, like Shiv says, I really want to do something during the seminal election. So (laughs) they call Nan. Nan is basically saying she has an offer, but please come. And then this turns into them negotiating at Nan's with the Nan cousins, family, with the Pierce family. Meanwhile, Logan is at his home in his action station after the, during the birthday party in the separate room. And they're negotiating sort of with Pierce. So they're like communicating through Pierce. And that's kind of funny, like through this negotiation, which has like literally nothing to do with this like Gojo. I mean, it does slightly, but it's just kind of funny like how we're, we leave off last season ha- having totally forgotten about Pierce. And now this is like the main plot of this episode, which h- how did you make of that? What did you make of that? Well, I think that that was contextualized by Kendall's comment that he makes that was really one of my favorite lines in the episode that wouldn't it be funny if we screwed dad over his decades old obsession? Mm-hmm. So my feeling is that Pierce has come up this whole – let's say the whole show has taken place over the past year. I don't really think it's that weird that a few months later, he would sort of be back on the – a few months in the grand scheme of things, like let's say it was like nine months, that he would be kind of back on the Pierce train, especially if Kendall's saying it was a decades-old obsession. And we know that Logan is more passionate about owning the news – 
because of the influence it would give him than he is about the money. So I think it's sort of just something that his kids know that he's probably come back to a bunch and that they it's not really that out of left field that right. he would be wanting it again. But it's just funny that this is how it starts out. So that's happening. That negotiation happens. And then we're like thrown into the end of the episode. And we'll talk about what happens. Um, we're thrown into the end of the episode where finally, like, the two sides meet. But the two sides meet through Tom and Shiv at their apartment. And they essentially discuss that they're going to get a divorce. But really, right. I think, and you think, I know we both think that Shiv really just kind of pushes her into it because she promised the man <laughs> that um, she's getting a divorce, even though they were just doing a trial separation. and. So she's like, I guess I have to go through with it. And so she in the apartment says, like, I think we should just like, this is the end of the road, I think. And then it was just this, this like pretty – I cried. <laughs> I cried in the scene because it just felt so sad. Even though you know all of the history between them and like how they've deeply hurt each other, it was just such a sad moment because you sort of did feel a little love that they had. like. When they held hands and they were just like, we gave it a go. And we did give it a go. And then yeah, they held I mean, their hand, hands together on the bed. They didn't want to be apart. I agree. They didn't want to be apart, but they don't – okay, what I thought was interesting is we enter – they've only been married for a few months in the grand scheme of things. And it's not like they were this like longstanding couple before. I think we have that context. So mm -hmm. this is not that – established of a couple. You know, they haven't been in each other's lives that long in the grand scheme of things. So I think what's interesting is we assume up till now there was just sort of the trial separation happening. But then in this episode, their incentives sort of each change. Tom has that conversation with Logan, like, if there were to be a divorce, would we still be good? And Logan says, if we're good, we're good, which is kind of a threat. And, and then Shiv has this other incentive that maybe she didn't have before where she sort of like forces herself into needing to get a divorce because she said to Nan that she would. Right. And so she goes back and says that. And so it's a kind of a combination of their business incentives and their lack of any sort of communication, really, Shiv's fault, because she wanted him to stay, but she didn't say that. So she just like holds his hand. I don't I guess really feel like they gave it a go. Like, it's been a few no, months. No, absolutely not. I think it's been longer, but they they definitely – their wedding at the end of season one? Yeah, it's been longer. But it's only Logan's birthday. Like, it's only been Logan's birthday once. Right, because his birthday was in Scotland? Yeah, and there was only one shareholders meeting, like the annual shareholders meeting. I guess. Kendall had one birthday. Like, it's all one year. <laughs> Too much birthday. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought I thought it, it was sad, though, because, because Shiv was – she obviously – she wasn't even afraid to be vulnerable just in that moment of, like, asking to leave. She didn't want to talk about how Tom betrayed her and why. Like, he was like, there's an explanation. Like, I want to talk to you about it. And she's like, no, it's not – I don't want to do that because she didn't want to unearth that, like, when she really lost all of that power in their relationship, she lost full, that full dynamic. Like, and she needed it to be in that marriage. Like, she needs to be ahead of Tom. As Logan said, you married a man fathoms beneath you because you're afraid of he might betray, because he won't betray you. And then Tom does. And it just doesn't work for her in that way. It made me think of the conversation between Shiv and her mother, who she seems very similar to when she, when she says of Logan, he never saw something he didn't love and kick to see if it would come back. Mm -hmm. It feels to me like Shiv does that too, but she doesn't have the power to get them to keep coming back. Another thing that's become apparent in this episode when he goes to the diner with Colin is that there is really no one in his life who he, who he has any relationship with that is not based on finances and him either controlling them or paying them, like even Colin, he pays, you know? Uh -huh. So it's, so that works for Logan because people are always going to come back to him because he's, you know, the big dog. But Shiv 
tried to kick Tom, I think, a few too many times. And he ended up just going to Logan, who's the one controlling her. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot to really rich people. The like isolation. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what happens. And also we didn't, I forgot to mention that actually the kids won. They won the the bidding verbal war, negotiation. The verbal negotiation, the indicative offer. But that's for now. We'll see what actually happens because they need the money from the Gojo sale. And we still have 48 hours to find out what happens with that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If I had an extra hour in my day, I would definitely be napping more. I would watch more of my favorite shows. And most importantly, I would connect more with my loved ones. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Personally, I've been to therapy for many years now, and nothing has helped me more than therapy and figuring out what are the priorities in my life, what are the things that I need to do to strengthen my relationships, to make the most of my day, and to make the most of my mental health. So I can't recommend therapy enough. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Betches today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Betches. Listen, we all know that scratchy PJs can make a very cranky kid, so I always reach for Little Sleepies. Little Sleepies makes award-winning bamboo PJs that moms rave about. I love Little Sleepies. They are so soft, and they also stretch out a lot, so your kid can fit into one size over a longer period of time. There's nothing more annoying than buying one size and then they grow out of it within one month. The prints are just like so cute, but really it is just so soft. The bamboo, like I want my own. Little Sleepy Zip Romper Pajamas, aka Zippies, were designed with thoughtful details like fold over feet, mittens, and a double zipper to make middle of the night diaper changes easier. Made from their buttery soft custom milled Luna Lux Bamboo Viscose, their zip footy pajamas are gentle and sensitive skin and babies with eczema. But what parents rave about most? How long they fit. And Little Sleepies makes the best baby shower gift. They have inclusive sizing from preemie to adults 3X. There are also nursing and pregnancy-friendly styles available for adults. Try a pair of Little Sleepies today. Fair warning, you will never go back. You can try Little Sleepies for yourself by visiting littlesleepies.com. Plus, get 15% off your order on littlesleepies.com with code BETCHES. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-S-L-E-E-P-I-E-S.com. Promo code BETCHES. All right, let's talk about our favorite quotes and discuss what we, how we felt about this episode. Nice memes, good memeage, and and uh, so on. I don't know where to start. I do know my favorite interaction, like the one I enjoyed the most, like was mm-hmm. most entertained by that I, by that I could like rewatch a bunch of times. But there were so many good little morsels <laughs> of quotes. Yeah, I've now watched it. Three times. <laughs> I watched it twice. I caught, I've caught more each time. Like even on my third time, I was still catching more. Yeah. It is really, really hard to figure out my favorite quote. I have a lot. Maybe we just do a, we do sort of like a favorite quote battle. Like a quote off? A quote off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Who goes first? Because my notes app is literally the whole script. Yeah, right. It's kind it's of the embarrassing. Whole script. That that was my notes up for the um the finale when we did when we were taking notes for the last episode that we did when we recapped the last um season yeah. three finale. Okay, I'll just say my my favorite moment. It's not just one quote. It's the conversation. It's okay. Nan Pierce. Nan Pierce is my oh, favorite. Yeah, I think that was my favorite quote too. moment. I, do we does this win the best moment? It's gotta. It was the funniest. Okay, let's just go through this one. <laughs> this is the this is the moment. This is very confusing. I don't want to talk numbers. And Kendall goes, sure, sure. But should we just say our number, though? And then she goes, oh, I don't like this. Makes me feel like I'm in the middle of a bidding war. Horrible. Different people saying different numbers. Eight, nine, what's next? And then Roman goes, I know, so confusing. What comes after nine? Nine B? (laughs) That was the best, I think. 
There's just the banter. Like, because Kendall does the same thing he did in that, like, in that bunker room when there was, like, that shooting with, he's like, well, let's just say the, you know, like, there is a number. And he does the same thing. Sure, sure. But do you want us just to say our number? And and Roman has takes his, like, everybody just says things they would say. And that's what is so good about the show. Like, the character development is perfect. Okay, so what's yours? Go. My favorite part of that moment was when was like the camera work when she goes and pours herself a glass of water, uh-huh. like the way a man would pour himself a glass of scotch at yeah. the sidebar. Yeah. I thought that that just made it like that really contributed to the humor of it. There were a lot of things that Nan said in that conversation. I think that was probably the best one. But before that, when she was like, you didn't need to come all the way here. We already have an offer. And then she's like, but maybe I offer you some bottles for the road. They might as well be jars of jam to me, but the connoisseurs seem to like them. I myself got a taste for Hiver Maché Vino Denaire when I was 19 and I have never been able to shake it. Like she is so pretentious. So pretentious. But- I'm so yeah. sorry for this skerfuffle, but I've just had the worst, worst migraine. <laughs> like, it's just right and Naomi how she's like she might be getting a migraine but maybe she'll yeah. be down in 10 minutes it's like this bitch does not have a migraine obviously she's talking to Logan yeah I thought there was oh my gosh all of her stuff about oh and then how she was like you know I don't know how much I need there's you know Jamie's divorce and Anne's disaster in Maine and this place how's your finances? <laughs> yeah. Not that yeah. I understand it at all. Also so right. funny when um, Shiv comes in and says, we're very relaxed about the 8 billion landing spot. And she turns and Nan turns around and goes, this is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then Naomi goes back out to them and goes, Nan appreciates the 8, eight billion, billion offer, but she's wondering if there's a little more upside. <laughs> it's like, you mean you want a higher number? Like where's the upside? Just so, and then she like- just walks out. It's really yeah. so good. Oh, well, also when they uh, – like as if she isn't incredibly conscious of money at all times because even when she walks in and they compliment the house, she goes, it seems like they shred $100 notes for fertilizer around here. <laughs> like all she thinks about is money and she just pulls this, this – And like, pretends like she doesn't think about money. Right, but is, she comes across extra pretentious. But then she's – look, she got $10 billion for a company that was maybe worth six. So we'll we'll see what happens because where are because they going to the, pull the conditions on the trust are itchy, Aileen. There's not a lot of buyers. <laughs> where are they going to pull ten billion dollars? Like they have to get serious financing for that ten billion because they were trying to. They need another two billion because earlier when they were doing their quote math in like that Malibu oh, yeah. apartment, them trying to figure out if they can afford it was like three seconds, and it was very funny. She. Shiv goes, yeah, so what? It's in half now, so eight or nine bill. And after this dojo sale, we'll have like two to three bill. And then Kendall's like, yeah, if we just have to really put this together, we'll get financing from some schmuck there, these guys, and we'll really put it together. Like they – like they're just so certain that they're going to get this money together. And then you see – and this is – I guess we can talk about in the forecast later, but you see in the previews, Kendall is talking to um, Stewie again. And I'm. I think that he's trying to go for to get help for financing for this to get PGN. I have to ask: Is there not a single other private equity person who Kendall <laughs> knows that he could ask for money? Like, is there no one? It's like Vanderpump Rules. Is there he's, no one else to sleep with in all of LA? Clearly not. Just, he's been. What do you, Sammy? He's been traveling around the world having serious discussions with serious fucking people. Okay, yeah. so. <laughs> Using his social capital. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite lines, speaking of the financing, my possibly maybe my second favorite interaction, I guess if we're going to rank them, was the kids sitting outside trying to figure out the price that they're going to offer. And Roman being the only one who's thinking about this in terms of actual money. And Kenzel's like, yeah, what if we – maybe Doc's just like not like nickel and dime them and go to 10. And – Roman's like, well, what's it worth? And then they have the banker on the Uh phone who's like, whatever a buyer will pay. And Roman goes, I really wish I went to Harvard Business School like UT. It is intimidating talking to an intellectual giant like yourself. That was one of my favorite lines. Yeah, the way that they ripped apart that guy. Tellus? What's his name? Telly? It was just – that was you're right. It was so funny because – 
it's like kind of true. Like nobody really knows anything. And in in real life. And like they're smart people, but like at the end of the day, like you'll pay what you're willing to pay for it. And the negotiation I thought also was hilarious because Shiv is just not good at it. <laughs> no. In in the way that like they went from their offer at eight, right? That's yeah. where they're starting. And like there's a lot of room to negotiate for two billion dollars, but they just jumped up to nine five in a split second because she talked to Tom. She, she goes, didn't even she goes, wait. Did you go to nine? Did you go to nine? What's dad's ceiling? Yeah, she didn't even wait to hear what Tom was gonna say. Like she didn't have to go there, but she pushed him to go higher essentially. And she pushed them them to go higher. Like she was almost like a little bit too anxious. She couldn't like hold it together. That's what I yeah. got from that scene. The 12 line was also just like a fuck you. It was like, oh yeah, well, we're going to go to 12. And and Tom's like, okay, fine. Sure. Yeah. That's our ceiling too. And then they're like, I think we got to go to nine, nine, five. Tom and correctly got a 10 feeling. I'm getting a yeah, 10 did, feeling. I love that. That felt very, that felt very accurate. I love when Roman broke down the money and he was like, yeah, 10 billion rounds it out. That number is extremely divisible. <laughs> I mean, you do know that half a billion dollars is $500 million. A million is a thousand thousand. <laughs> so you want to pay 500,000 thousand that we could be spending on fucking snowmobiles and sushi. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, w- the way that money is discussed in this conversation is also pretty in this whole episode, because also like there's the Connor of it all who talks about like the hundred million dollars. Connor goes, but it's kind of a lot, right? When they're talking about the hundred million he needs to spend just to keep his 1% not to be from being squeezed from both sides. Well, it goes a hundred million. Yeah. I mean, if you spent it, you'll still be rich. And Connor goes, I, yeah, I mean, nevertheless, minus a hundred million. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. Like, it was just the way that they just casually talk about hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, to your point earlier, like Roman seems in this episode to be the only kind of serious one. He seems like he doesn't want to screw dad. He doesn't really want to hurt him. He feels weird about it. He doesn't really revel in it at the end when they like are at the car and And they get the phone call from Logan, which was really funny. Like, congratulations on saying the highest number, you fucking morons. Um, That's that's really all they did. Like, you just said the highest number. You just said a big number. Like, congrats, you fucking morons. (laughs) But, like, Shiv and and Kendall did – Shiv did a really – did really great acting in that moment where she does this, like, nervous, maniacal laugh. Where she's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's also it was almost like she was scared, holy shit. But that was the only moment that they talked to their dad too. Yeah, but didn't you think it was interesting that Logan was asking for people to make him laugh and like to make jokes and they were kind of making a joke, but also amongst them having a good time and laughing? Like how frequently do you ever see them laughing as a group? Right. Right. No, they're very rarely um, together as a threesome. I was watching also like that post-episode thing and um, one of the creators was saying like they're very rarely do you see them together making their relationship work, the three kids. And then I think that this can like lead us into the conversation about what's going on with Logan this whole episode. Overall, I thought the negotiation, see that whole scene, the negotiation, the kids also talking about 100 and oh. saying like, oh, I loved it. I'm so excited. But is it bullshit? Yeah. You know, my only concern is that the 100 is too good. Too good. Like, why hasn't anyone done it before? The three of them, like, skirting around the issue that they don't really want to do this thing. But they're just looking for something to do. do, Looking for something, they need something to do is so good. But let's quickly go back to Roman. Sorry, my bad. I went off um, topic. But what I was saying earlier was that Roman seems to be the only – like person taking this everything seriously and not wanting to screw dad. So he di- he didn't he kind of squirmed when they were laughing after Logan called. He like didn't doesn't want to be on dad's bad side. He but texted him happy birthday. Well, yeah, we see that in the in the next in the next episode or whatever, the preview for the season. He's the only one who who you know, the, the episode starts off with him going through branding um with their branding team, which also is just so so funny. 
I, 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 know. I wrote down Having a great done line. it. Yeah, he goes, I feel like we said iconic and you guys are leaning ironic. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. Ugh, the writers on the show. And he also is the only one who is like, wait, I thought we were all into 100. But he also doesn't, he's he's the one who like asks Shiv, like, do you think it's a little too small scale? Because he's thinking it's a little too small scale. Right. And she goes, no, you do you? <laughs> you know what would kind of make sense though? The If they bought PGN, the 100 would make sense as a vertical under PGN, yeah. which I, which, and Shiv kind of landed on that for a brief second where she was like, we could do both. But like, she doesn't right. even think about it that way. She's just like, oh, we'll just do it. Like, we'll do everything. Yeah. Yet to, to, to your point about Roman, I completely agree. I think that he is also, and this kind of follows on like what he did in season two, in the season two finale when Jamie was trying to get the financing from the sketchy people, like the foreign investors. And Roman was like, I don't think it's really real. Roman is the only one who's actually like paying attention. Uh-huh. And looking out for all of their interests and seeing other people's incentives and things. Yeah. He says, would Telly rather make $35 million in fees on an acquisition or fees on a $5 million seed round for the 100 He's right. the And he's the only one who's saying, mm-hmm. like when they're talking to the banker while they're at Nan's, he's saying, like, are you you're jerking it to your fucking yacht catalog there, T? Right. Like, you're going to bill us $200 million for this bullshit advice. And... Like, he's the only one who sees that there are people who are trying to take advantage of them mm-hmm. besides, like, their own dyna- interpersonal dynamics. It's not just about trying to screw dad. And he says, you want to fuck dad. You want to fuck Tom. I'm the only one who doesn't want to fuck anyone and actually wants to start a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also, like, is seems just so sarcastic in the whole negotiation up until the last point when he realizes it could be real. When he like talks about like the upside, but um, and and then they're like, oh hello, but when he, in the beginning when they're like waiting for Nan's headache to end, he's like, oh great, get to talk to an old lady about newspapers, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think also like th- them talking about the hundred and the way that you're pitching it, like Kendall being like high calorie info snacks, high info parcels <laughs> or info info snacks, <laughs> like just it's just <laughs> so. It's a parody. It's like such a parody. Like the hundred is Substack meets meets Masterclass meets The Economist meets The New Yorker. Um, It's just – it's a parody. Um, It's the way rich people would be pitching. And the fact that they like literally don't treat anyone around them with an ounce of respect. Like the way that they hang up on the branding people. Like in the middle of the conversation, he just closes the computer. The way that they make – the people who just flew in to listen to their pitch <laughs> keep waiting outside and then eventually just ghosts them while they're there. Yeah, to go they fly just, to Nans. They don't they don't give a fuck. It was really funny when he was like, tell them to stuff their petrodollars up their human rights record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just like calling people to this huge house in Malibu, like, how why don't you save the money on the house and go buy Pierce? You know, like that's less money you have to put up as collateral. Do you love making money, but also love spending money? Don't we all? Now you can make money while you spend it every time you shop with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So you can buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code BETCHES when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code BETCHES. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code BETCHES. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. 
Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BETCHES20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code BETCHES20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's, and use code BETCHES20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I really thought they nailed so many of the like media doublespeak. Like they want to talk about talking. And like uh-huh. the 100 is a private members club, but for everyone. Click me, <laughs> but for smart people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And also when like when Shiv is talking about the business, she's like, as a business, it's much uh, – talking about PGN. As a business, it's much better than the made-up company of dreams we were ready to pitch. And then <laughs> and yeah. everyone's like, you were obsessed with it. This was your idea. And she's right. like, I know, I know. But it's bullshit. Is it kind of bullshit? It was so it good. Was, it was perfect. It was also funny to watch them try to practice their pitch for about three seconds. Uh-huh. And Kendall's like, we have the ethos of a nonprofit but a path to crazy margins. <laughs> It's like James Kennedy pitching, like something absurd. Um, I think we should talk about the other thing that was happening. Like the kids we discussed, we talked about everything about the kids. Let's talk about Logan on his side. of, And he's in New York. He's on the East Coast. They're on the West Coast where it's sunshine. And it looks rather dreary on the East Coast with Logan. He's also going through a crisis, because, existential, emotional crisis because – Hey, it's his birthday. He's another year older and he's getting old. And none of his children are there. Um his Connor's there, Aileen. The well, eldest see, son right, is right, there. Right. The old the I am the eldest son. I think this so, is intentional. Like we're supposed to kind of forget it. Oh no, of course. Yeah. His, Connor's there. Connor's really focused on himself only because the election is near. But Logan is seems rather sad. He's really upset. He doesn't feel happy. He even says like, why is everyone so fucking happy? And, (laughs) and he really only has like Carrie and Colin, obviously, but Carrie as his go-to, she's following him around. Friend, assistant, and advisor. Advisor. Yeah. She was great. There's also Tom on the other side too. There's Tom, there's Greg, (laughs) Frank, (laughs) say something funny. Be funny. Start. No, Frank, start. Be funny. And Carl, oh wait, Carl. Carl said one of my fucking funniest lines. He goes, butter my bean pole when he was like <laughs> talking. It was just, Carl's also one of the funniest people on the show because he's so lame and pathetic. <laughs> and he's so scared of Logan, like shits his pants. But Logan seems very sad. And uh, Carrie asks, is he okay? And after he goes, why is everyone so fucking happy? And Carrie's like, are you okay? And he goes, I got – essentially saying like, yeah, I should be happy. But he, so, he said, I got done a huge fucking deal in exactly the right time. I got ATN plus Pierce. I got the election. And then he goes, I got plenty on my plate. And Carrie goes, sure. But – and then he asks about the Cardinal and whatever. And that line to me like made me feel like Carrie is pregnant. Did you oh, get, I did too. Because I, she was, she said he adds that as something else going on. Like I got plenty on my plate. She goes, sure. Like she was only responding to that last line, and she has like a button on her blazer, like buttoned up to cover. It seems like uh-huh. maybe they're doing it on purpose. I her just belly, thought she was very like forward bump. towards him, especially in that moment when she like she like moved closer to him, and they already foreshadowed that with the whole maca root thing yeah. at the wedding. Right. And they also kind of uh they also kind of alluded to it when Broman was like, take my dad's cock out of your mouth. <laughs> like well, yeah. you can pop it back in. Yeah. Meaning like there's clearly something happening. Well they and, know that he's they're sleep he's sleeping with her. Right. But I mean that just makes a pregnancy like all the more possible. Well you can't really get pregnant through oral sex, man. <laughs> Yeah, but you think that's the only thing they're doing? They're not. <laughs> no, I know. 
<laughs> it's not just ending there. No, I know. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, you get what I'm she saying. sees. She seems very much like into it. His he's equal. Also, in this episode, she is the one not as equal, but she's very much like takes a f- very leading lady approach in this episode c- as compared to previous episodes. Like he, she's talked about, but she talks in this episode. She speaks for him with the children. She gets Greg, like she talks on behalf of the business. Like we are, you know, like she might, yeah, she might be like a corporate spy or something. Bridget. She's a friend, assistant, and advisor. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she also notably said that Marsha is shopping in Milan forever. Forever. So she's kind of the one to deliver the information that Marsha's out of the picture, which is interesting. Marsha did just renegotiate her funding last season after he slept with Rhea. So. Yeah. She's out. Marsha's out. Carrie's in. And. He also seems to really rely on her for input too. Like during the negotiation with Pierce, she goes, Carrie, I'm going to need your input. And then she gives some good input. She's like, well, you know, it's insult. The offer is insulting, but it's not like you're wasting relationship capital because she hates you, Nan. Um, So (laughs) it was, it it was, you could tell that the dynamics has changed, like have changed. Like also in the beginning, you can see through their body language, they like sort of touch each other's hands as they like part ways a little bit through the party, but really she just continues to follow him around. <laughs> yeah. It is noteworthy though that Logan, sure, he might be like fucking Carrie or whatever, but he isn't particularly happy. He leaves his party in the middle to go with Colin to go sit at a diner and he gets kind of tender and like really existential, starts talking about the afterlife. And that was a really touching scene because you could literally never see him doing that with anyone in his family. Right. He just seems like, I think because like he's about to sell his business, his big business that he's been his whole life, his children are not there with him, most, the three of them. (laughs) Connor is there. He's moved on from his previous man. He's starting a new marriage he's potentially going to have another child but he still is but old. we made that we made that assumption we think I, I mean no they they allude to it and he's re- it seems like he's really disappointed in like people the people the lo- people as a whole he's disappointed with the, where the future is going he doesn't like you know media and he just seems just unhappy with like where everything has gone. And he's sort of questioning, like, what is it? What's even the point, like, after this? Like, this is all we have. And he doesn't really talk to Colin, like, as a two-way chat. That was also something that they said in the after show. Like, he's, like, really asking him rhetorical questions. And he respects – they also said he respects Colin because the only one who just kind of just shows up to do his job, everyone else has, like, does everything else. (laughs) They're talking about talking. You're my best pal. Thank you. He just, he also, I think when he was saying like everybody's, he's like, because this is the first time the kids for real are still against him for the longest period of time, it seems. And it seems like when he's talking about the market, I got the sense that he was really talking about like, he's like, yeah, sure, babe, I'm 100 feet tall. But when people are together, they, they form a market and it's almost, and so he no longer has as much power. It feels like he's worried that the kids together, working together, could really fuck him up, even though he thinks they're morons and doesn't respect them. I got the sense that, like, you know, I don't have as much power as I did. So I think he's going to try to get that back because usually in all episodes past, like, if it's, if it's, even if it's two of them, he at least has one. Like, he can break them up. But this is the first time where the three of them are really against him for the longest period of time. And I think that scares right. him. Right. I took that as like kind of a – I wasn't even really thinking about that in the context of the kids. I was thinking more about that in the context of like his birthday and sort of his philosophy on life and like wondering what it's all worth kind of. But yeah, I want to get more into that when we talk about the forecast later. 
I'm Betcha's co-founder, Aileen, and as you may know, we have been in the media game for a minute. And between meetings, podcasting, dinners, etc., I need a wardrobe that works with me, not against me. And that's why Lee is a staple in my wardrobe. I recently got this white jacket, jean jacket from Lee, and I got their button-down. I must say that the quality is very, very good because when you wear a button-down, it is very difficult to find one that doesn't kind of come apart. And this one is not only very soft and comfortable, like I can move my arms around, but I really, really like it. It just looks really cute. And it's like Western. Western's so in right now. And then I also love the white jacket I got. It's like off-white, but it has this blue stitching and it's like, I'm going to wear it over the shoulders, perhaps on my vacation. I'm just really into it. And Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. It's a classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG and what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com, that's L-E-E.com, that's L-E-E.com to shop spring looks now. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. All right, I know we have more characters to talk about, but I think the best way to talk about them is through rating them. So we're doing, now it's time for our segment, We Rate You. No, nah, he rates you. And if you listened to last episode, or if you did not, we have three categories slash superlatives. We have the number one boy, who is like the best character who wins this episode. We have out of the will, the person who's like most out of favor with Logan, he is losing this episode and or she and then we have bore on the floor which is like the mo- the cringiest most humiliated just biggest loser in a different way never no yeah. power mostly just me so okay should we start with number one boy yes you're my number one boy okay sammy who is your number one boy my number one boy as we alluded to earlier is roman he is like the the most on the ball. I think he has a lot more going on beneath the surface. He's like a duck, calm on the outside and paddling, paddling, paddling beneath, you know, and and I think that he is like the only one who remotely deserves the money that they have. <laughs> Maybe He's the only now. one who could keep it on his own. Um, here's the thing. I I I think I agree with you now after like kind of rewatching it, but initially I had Tom as my number one boy um, because – but but then I put – then I changed my mind. For the sake of this conversation, let's argue I had that your Roman. number one boy is Tom. Okay. So if here, here's my argument for Tom. I think Tom has now just beat all the kids, right? He is most respected to a degree because I'm going to add the caveat that he is now being used as, as a shiv – pawn almost like talk to your fucking wife like he wouldn't say that to somebody he really respects however he does get logan does call him tommy um the reason why i also think that he's the number one boy here he's he's the one who shuts greg down a lot greg is just the moron he's talking about how either the disgusting brother is and tom is like like you know no, like that was ironized. He really rips apart the the date, talking about the capacious bag, <laughs> like that. That whole grilling of the whole um, roasting of the Bridget was the funniest fucking line. We didn't even talk about that before. We'll, we'll get there in a second. We'll get there. Um, that was funny, but Tom, and then also Tom calls Shiv to talk about Nan. And now when I think about it, maybe he was he was sort of playing both sides. Like maybe he was warning her about the Pierce thing. Like maybe he was planting the idea on purpose, um, not yeah. done out of 
stupidity, which I was what I thought before. And now I'm coming to realize that maybe it was out of like sort of because there is still some love there. So maybe he was doing it just to like throw her a bone after completely fucking her over in the last season. My sense of that was like he didn't even really necessarily know why he was doing it. It was a combination of things that I think he doesn't even personally understand the mix of his own motivations for doing it. I think part of it was like like a dating tease a little bit. Part of it was a little bit of a business tease. I think it just provided him an in that he didn't even necessarily know what his angle was, but he knew that the angle would move something forward Yeah, in a way that he wanted to do because he wants to communicate with her. She's the one who doesn't want to communicate. So he's like needling her with an excuse for why he's doing it that kind of serves a dual purpose for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I think Tom could have been – could be number one boy, but maybe Roman wins because he just seems like the most – just like with it, with yeah, <laughs> he seems like the most like the most aware person in this whole thing. Like he actually doesn't want to screw over dad, like we talked about. All right, who's out of the will? Fuck off! I'm kicking Shiv out of the will. Same because the girl, she has no sense of the money, no sense of how to negotiate. No, she is so blinded by like. She has no long-term – yeah, she has no long-term sense of what she's trying to get. The episode starts off where she's she's not even being loyal to the kids about 100. She's she's talking to Jimenez team, (laughs) talking about talking to see if, like, there's something there that she could still get a position about, like, in in the election – even um, though she's obsessed with the hundred, it was her idea. Exactly, yeah, she, like she's she doesn't know what she wants, and all she wants is to win, and her ego has fully taken over, and you could just sense it in the way that she just like flip flops in her emotions. This this like she she's great. She's really confident. Then she talks to Tom. Tom tells her about Nan. She's like really shaken. Then she's like, fuck this. We got to get PGN. She's really on top of her game. She gets so excited that Nan only wants to talk to her. It's like she is the number one girl in like the whole Nan thing. Like she just, just gets, she's like, I'm fucking divorcing. Tom. Like everything yeah. is just her a, energy. a roller coaster of energy with Shiv. Her energy is sort of like a 22-year-old who just like broke up with their college boyfriend in the real world. That's uh-huh. kind of the the vibe she's giving off because you say she wants to win, but I don't even think she knows what winning would look like because she's playing no long game whatsoever. She's playing the very, very, very short game. I don't think she has any clue what she even wants to achieve beyond like the scene that's in front of her. She goes to the apartment basically to gloat. She knows she's supposed to be hoteling and to see if and to see if 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 he was with anyone. I think Maybe. I think that was like a but I know I think this is this comes off the win of the bidding the bidding saying the biggest number, and she goes to the apartment because it's in the calendar invite, and and she goes there essentially to gloat, and it doesn't go her way really because it kind of is very it comes off really sad like. The way that Tom is like, I could maybe see if I could make love to you. And she's like, do you even want to? And he's like, it was just that – it was just – it was really sad, that part. Well, that's what I mean. I don't think she like even had a plan for why she was going back. Like I think she just wanted – similar to how he just called her to tell her about the Naomi Pierce thing. I don't even think he knew what he wanted out of that interaction. I think it's just wanting to be – Around each other. In each other's ears so that they can – Get somewhere, but I, I don't even think it was because they wanted to be near each other. Like she wants him to want her, but she also wants to reject him. Part that's part of why she wants him, mm-hmm. I think. Similar and part of why she wants PGN is because her dad hates them. Oh, of course. It's all like she only, I think, I think really one of her biggest problems is that she only sort of exists in relation to the men around her. She doesn't have a core, a central core. That she's actually like 
moving forward based on any sort of internal compass. It's just, what am I reacting to that someone just did? And even before she was in the family in this conflict, she was in politics and she was with Nate, who she was like sleeping with. Who's in the previews. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely not going to get, you know, he'll still stay relevant. And it's like, she was cheating on Tom the whole time. She, everything is just in reaction to what's in front of her. She has no long game at all. The children all have issues with the opposite sex and relationships because of their parents. I mean, like, there's no way around it. Like, they have a fucked up upbringing. All right. Who is the bore on the floor? (laughs) Bullshit. Bore on the floor. It's got to be Greg because Mm -hmm. he brought Bridget Random Fuck to this party. (laughs) Although that was one of the funniest scenes when they're talking about her capacious Burberry bag. I would hate to be working in Burberry PR marketing today. That is just devastating. What does she need all that room for? Her flats for the subway? (laughs) Her lunch pail? (laughs) Her flats for the subway is just the – it is just like the perfect like – Way to describe. Classist like, shit. Yes, yeah. classist shit. Like when he also, <laughs> when Tom goes, you're a laughing stock of polite society. You will never go to the opera again. <laughs> that like, I had to catch on my second one. That was, it was that was, it was tough. Fun, it was so funny. But all of this, like the cla- the comments of class, how it's, it is really ridiculous because he's making fun of it. Like how he goes, you'll never go to the opera again. But then also when he comments on like the flats for the subway, like and that's something to make fun of someone for. I just I lost it. It was Is she so from the apps, good. Greg? Like Carrie Carrie was actually at least looking at it from a, a like a strategic point of view. Tom just wanted to fuck with him. Yeah, no, Greg, he 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 fell for Tom's like joke about like the cameras. He goes and tells Logan. It's all so absurd. Smell Greg's um, finger. That was that was oh, so oh my gosh. Him. Just going back to Logan being bored and wanting everyone to roast him, mm-hmm. Greg's the only one who actually actually will do it. And he goes, he goes, Lo- Uncle Logan, where are your kids? Yeah. And Logan goes, everyone smell Greg's, fi- Greg's finger. Guess what it smells like? <laughs> <Yeah>. Win a buck. <laughs> yeah, no. That and was just also- such a good comeback by and Logan. And the way that he like kind of. Greg like revels in the fact that like Logan kind of shares a bit of a smile and then he goes over what he said to him and he like blame like Tom's like oh so you blamed her but Greg's like she's she's maybe she's she's had a bit of a wacky tabacky or <laughs> or worse and maybe she's and then Tom cuts her she's a drug-addled cock monster <laughs> so you blamed her <laughs> and then they get cut off but that was just Greg get is the bore on the floor he was cringe all episode just everything was cringe, including, including the like the the dis- bringing up the disgusting brothers like many many yeah. times. He's kind of the ringleader of that. Also, the date asking Logan for a selfie and going <laughs> like, "You really did a great deal, Kerching." Am I right? <laughs> you know, I always thought it was Kerching. So did I, but I think she's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about forecast. Let's let's okay. do the forecast. What our predictions? We don't have a lot to base this on, um, but just some thoughts from okay. the episode. I have a big prediction. Oh, I'm gonna hear it. I I predict that Logan is going to die this season, oh. and my reason for that is that anytime you get any character talking about the afterlife, it's never a great sign for their arc. Um, I think the way he was getting really existential was kind of the main foreshadowing of that. Um, and just his his overall tone. I mean, it started with a health issue for him. Mm-hmm. He's had other, you know, he had other scenes where he was had health problems. And I just feel that that would kind of make sense as the, it, it's the last yeah, season. I, so I see it because, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I – think I if I actually see it happening I could see them like alluding to it but I get why that makes sense because it's like the whole thing is about how the kids are trying to like beat their dad be separated separate from the dad but in the end if he's gone they'll feel like a big gaping hole they'll feel like they need their dad the dad is very right about business he I mean he doesn't he's not right about the way to rear a family but (laughs) 
but he's he's kind of like this he's a force and i can't even imagine the family without them they all know one day he's not going to be here but yeah i can see i can see why that would like round out the show um, i also think it it will they feel that he's sort of like invincible immortal and mm-hmm. that's kind of why they have not one of the reasons why I don't think that they can really get it together is because they live in his shadow, but he wants them to live in his shadow, but he wants them to beat him, but they can't because he doesn't really want them to and he didn't set them up to be able to in any Mm -hmm. capacity, but he doesn't want them to. That's the other thing. It's like he doesn't – I can't see him ever giving them anything until he dies. Mm -hmm. And the question I think becomes what happens to the company after he dies? Mm-hmm. And that's really like what I think will be the resolution or what we're going to be left with is seeing what happens to the company itself. Because that's the real succession so question. Like it's the succession right. of the company. Right. Right. Do you think it's going to get sold? Do you think the Gojo deal is going to happen? Um, I don't – I don't know. Because in the I think previews yes, – be, Yeah. They right. – they, well, in they the show intro, the, they show the app that says Stargo, right? That could be like a beta model, though. Could be, for sure. I, I kind of can't that, see I it can't see or... it happening. The thing that I just – you see so many things where Tom, like, punches Roman or, like, puts him against a wall. Like, where they – where um, what's his name? Carl goes, if you fucking fuck up this deal for dad, you are going to be, like – whatever he says. I don't know. He threatens them in some way. Mm-hmm. But, like – there's obviously gonna there's I don't think it's gonna go smoothly, right? Like Matson is watching, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna go as smooth as they're saying. And now Logan has this, and maybe the reason why this Pierce thing was like the setup is because like Logan now has has this ulterior motive to not make this deal go through so the kids don't get their money and can't right. fund the acquisition of peers. So right. that was that was a thought I had. Because it's not like he's selling because he needs to. He's selling because he doesn't want to leave five bill on the table. He just feels it's, it in his bones. I get it. It's the yeah, time. Yeah, but, but the point is like he – it's not like he's desperate and distressed. He yeah. wants to sell, but I could see him just as easily not selling so he can screw the kids. Mm-hmm. Is that your prediction that he – what, what's your? He's not going to sell. I think. Or is it he's that Carrie not is going to sell? I think Carrie's okay. pregnant. Yeah. I think Connor's wedding episode is going to be so fucking funny. I'm Agreed. really excited for that. No one does weddings like Succession. Also, the thing that we didn't talk about was the last scene when Logan calls Sid, and then you see in the next in the preview, Logan is walking the floor of ATN. So I was thinking that like I'm getting the sense that this is that Logan is going to get super involved in ATN. Um, because yeah. A, he has not that motive to beat out the Pierce thing and it's his last own asset. He still has ATN, right? It's spun off. Um, so from, from the, the deal, that's what yeah. I got from that. So it's his last piece of something that he still has, can, it's his, his legacy in a way. And so he's going to be really involved in it. Um, and that's going to be very, very funny, but interesting because Tom is at the head of it. And so that also relationship dynamic is going to be um, tested. Also, that has been Logan's passion. The news is Logan's real passion. That's like where this all started. So I think that's an interesting like full circle thing as well. Mm-hmm. And then the election is also another layer of it because that's coming. And then you see in the previews like Mencken is now might flip sides to like the kids and Pierce. Um, but who knows? Did you see that that part? There's yeah, a lot of like, like there's a lot a... of like there were a lot of preview scenes where it was like, what's his name? Roman talking to Matson, Roman talking to Mencken. They're like trying to get him from all sides. Number one and, boy. You know, boy. And the thing that I was I was watching when I was getting what I really wanted to see, and maybe I'm hoping that it happens in the end, is like I really want to see Kendall and Logan like being on the same side again, like being friends. I think, like, I don't know. I can't see it happening unless, like, Logan's on his deathbed. But I would like, because that's something, that's how it started. This whole thing started with, it all happened because Kendall went against, 
he was he was Logan's, you know, number number one boy for real. And he was ready to take over. And now he's been so far from that now, like for season after season, that I really think that that would round it out. Um, is if if they're both in good favor and they're a little bit more like he res- Logan respects Kendall and Kendall respects Logan in return. Like he's not trying to kill dad. I think that would be the resolution I personally want. Right. I think that, <laughs> I think like narratively that would make a lot of sense. Kendall, I think is technically the protagonist yeah. of the show. And that would be like a narrative journey that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you don't have that, then you have, a sense of lack of completion. But again, that just all depends how they how they tell it. I think and it, what it's happens. gotta happen. It has to happen. Something has to happen between the relationship of Logan and Kendall specifically. Because that that's yeah. he was it in the beginning. Like Kendall was my favorite character in the beginning, even though he was like the worst. I like really loved him. And I kind of still yeah. do, even though he's taken like this backseat role a little. Um, but I think he's going to come back and he's going to be less of a joke than he was before because he's season after season. He's just complete joke. And he's going to have to like shape up quick then because like he's still kind of a joke right now. I mean, he absolutely is. Like when, when he, he comes in, in, he's like, we're starting a company, starting kids. Company with, with my brother. Yeah. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know how fast he's going to be able to like turn into serious Kendall. He's like, Not I've serious. smoked a fucking horse. I, I need something to keep me going. But maybe something to straighten him up a bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see. We literally will see. We literally we hear for you see. along the way. And I'm I'm just very excited about this, about this season. I am too. I'm too. I'm sad it's the end, but like it's exciting that it's the end because <sighs> then I'm just going to rewatch the whole thing again. <laughs> so I think we call it. That is it for this week's recap. Be sure to check out our written recap and find out who deserves to fuck off this week on Betches.com. And of course, be sure to rate, review, and follow this show, ATN Betches, brought to you by App Betches, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we'll have all new episodes every single Monday of this show. So be sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss our next episode. And you can follow me at Aileen. Follow me at Sammy. And until next time, we here for you. ATM, we here for you. At Betches is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Picot, Rebecca Sosmacat, and Aliza Zim. Editing by Basilio Perez. Be sure to follow at Betches on Instagram and send us your emails to podcast at Betches.com. Betches.